a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Well, how are you guys doing today? This episode is sponsored by Mint Mobile. And you guys remember me talking about the Iranian tunnel system? You guys remember the, the one that has like the... It was a big airbase underground. You guys remember that thing? We talked about it, I think it was... We talked about it yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Um, this is uh, some actual, I guess you could say this is some funny news, but it also, it, it's been geolocated already. It took them, it, it took like the OSINIC community like 24 hours to find it. I, I saw some images when I would actually, I actually brought it up to you guys. I was like, I don't know if that's really it. I waited, I waited in the course today. Not only do they have images, but they have like <laughs> better proofing with, with, with the, the actual like uh, grid coordinate to it. They show it being built in progress. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. It's, it shouldn't shock anybody though. I, I would like to assume the United States already knew about this stuff well in advance. Like this thing even being announced, by the way, I, I'm pretty sure by the Iranians that is. Uh, but I didn't think about it at the time. And it made me kind of chuckle when I read this because it was also within the same thread. But uh, imagine, okay, imagine if us and or Israel ended up at war with Iran randomly because you never know. It could happen. With the way that things are going right now, never, like, never count that out. You just never know what's going on. Like the entire airbase itself and all the money they've spent on this thing would would literally be non-operational with just one missile targeting the entrance and would end up saving the, the United States taxpayers a significant amount of money because we wouldn't have to target each plane individually. We just hit the front of it and say, okay, good. Now it's not operational. What are you going to do? Like, <laughs> when I read that, I was like, oh my God, that is so true. You wouldn't have to go after anything but the, the friggin' main entrance. I was, okay. Well, it's been found, so there's that. I, I actually kind of enjoy these like goofy news segments because I run across them all the time, and I never bring them up because I, I don't know. I just had to insert a few of them here and there and see if you guys actually like them. So do, please do let me know. This one's also kind of funny. The, the new owner of Wagner, you guys know, actually, not the, the new owner, the owner of Wagner uh, is claiming that they received more than 10 million applications from U.S. citizens wishing to join the ranks of the group. I mentioned this about a week ago that they were calling for United States citizens to come and join the fight and, and whatnot. I, I, at the time, I was like, there's no way no one's going to do that, okay? But... I personally also don't believe there's 10 million people in America who even know what the Wagner Group is. Where's Russia? Um, right here. Let's be let's be real. There's probably not even 10 billion, 10 million people in America right now that are are, are are even caring or witnessing or watching anything about the Ukrainian war. I'm not even lying to you guys. That's I said this. I said this many of times. I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, to let the ones that may have applied, maybe let them go. Like, let them see what it's like living inside of a communist state and realize it's not as glorifying as they had imagined. Because then they wouldn't be allowed back inside the United States, for one. And it might weed out some of the ones that are causing us so much division within the country in the first place. I was like, okay, you know what? If there is 10 million of them, go ahead. 
Go go have at it. Uh, that's a true statement. You know what I mean? It's, it is kind of humorous. Let's just let's just be real about it. If they went, they would never be allowed back in, and it would kind of probably help out the country pretty quite a bit. You know what? I guess we should probably continue on with this goofy stuff because this one actually takes the cake for one of the dumbest things of the day. Like not of the day, but for a, yeah, it's pretty dumb. Еще раз хочу это об этом сказать. Мы не начинали никаких боевых действий. Мы пытаемся их закончить. Эти боевые действия начаты были националистами на Украине и тех, кто их поддерживал в 2014 году, когда был совершен государственный переворот. С этого все началось. После этого последовали события в Крыму и на Донбассе. И вот с 2014 в нарушение всех договоренностей, в нарушение всех взятых на себя обязательств, эти регионы Донбасса были взяты практически в блокаду, по ним начали работать с помощью тяжелой техники военной, неоднократно проводили крупные военные операции. То есть вот они начали войну тогда. Honestly, do I really need to say anything about what you guys just witnessed, what you guys just saw? How does the aggressor not start combat? That legitimately makes no sense. They're literally in a different country with their troops tanks, BMPs, or like everything you could possibly imagine. Fighter planes, everything, everything. Every fighter, fighter planes, fighter jets, everything. Fighter planes. You know what I mean? They have everything there. Like That's kind of a confusing statement. You know what isn't confusing, though? How about saving more and spending less? If that's one of your top goals for 2023, why are you guys still paying an insane amount of money every single month on your phone bill? Switching over to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year as the first company to sell premium wire servicely online. And that's online only. Mint Mobile lets you order from the house and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. Yes, that is right. $15 a month. Go check them out. The link at the very top of the description. Why wouldn't you want to check out this? This is online only, saving you a ton of money. Mint Mobile makes your, your savings plan or your, your, your New Year's resolution very easy. Super easy. For the people who are just looking for extra savings this year, Mint Mobile offers a premium wireless service for just $15 a month. Yes, that's $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All plans come with an unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and just switch easily in minutes. It's, it's easy with eSIM. It's super easy. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just $15 a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com forward slash Rob. That is mintmobile.com forward slash Rob. Cut your wireless bill to $15 a month at mintmobile.com forward slash Rob. There'll be a link to the very top of the description. Thank you so much to Mint Mobile. I was actually kind of uh, excited to watch some of the, the clips that were going to be coming from this North Korean parade. Uh, it's, it started, I think, maybe like 12, 13, 14 hours ago, whatever it was. You know, they, they come on, they do this thing every single year. It kind of looks like, like the mid-30s Germany type stuff that we always see from them. Like, they're just running around, they scream really loud, they, they throw their hands up, they're clapping. They just, it just looks really staged, like everything else. There's, there's some, <laughs> by the way... I can't remember, I want to say it's T-64s or 272s. So they, they received, I think it might have been T-72s. They received a bunch of tanks, okay? A bunch of tanks uh, years and years and years ago. So <laughs> some people were actually diving so deep into watching these clips. And they were, they were, they were freeze-framing the clips of the tanks, which you guys can actually, you'll see the tanks rolling through. 
And these are actually, I believe they're 272s that they've wrapped. And now I'm not going to say wrapped, but they've built a structure around them to make them seem like a mix between like an Abrams and something else. They're, they're, they're legitimately fake tanks. And on the front of them, you'll see like they, they have like a hatch that is supposed to open, but it's opened. But the glass that's supposed to be there, it's a, it's a non-sliding piece. It's so fake and so staged and it's so humor. It's so funny. And I personally don't believe anybody is really concerned with North Korea as, as well. They're not a they're not a, a real superpower. They're legit a paper tiger. They're messing with fire, though, by shooting missiles or, excuse me, bullet, yeah, missiles over the top of Japan, which you know that happened, I think, back in, like, October, November of last year. That was kind of a mistake. Um, I, I, I did get to watch an uh, interview with the um, United States Space Force at working in South Korea, and they said they're actively always watching everything the North Koreans are doing from space. From or, Well, they're not, they're not personally in space, but you guys know what I mean. They're watching from satellite. Now, um, North Korea would collapse in a heartbeat, like literally in a couple of days with any conflict with any country. And the real question I have is, is, is the things you guys see driving around, which of those are new ICBMs, they have these new, it doesn't really matter. I, 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 are they really going to be able to be, are they a feasible thing? Like, are they real? Why do they, like, my real question is, why do they care about like, destroying the West so bad? Why does everybody hate us so much? What have we done? I know they're pissed about the Volvos they still haven't paid for from <laughs> from the 60s and 70s. But what that has nothing to do with us. And we actually got our favorite lady finally laying down some truce that the war inside of Ukraine isn't going as well as they had planned. And they didn't expect for it to go as long as it has. Uh, yeah, Планировали эту спецоперацию, не ожидали, что это затянется так надолго. Ну, мне кажется, очевидно, что никто, конечно, этого не предвидел. Почему? Потому что никто не предвидел, что мы в прямом смысле слова будем воевать не с Зеленским и его там с подручными СВУ, СБУ, а мы будем воевать с абсолютно со всем коллективным Западом. То есть мы воюем с ними, со всеми. Ну, конечно, слушайте, победить коллективный Запад, эту мощь НАТО, ну, это тяжело и трудно. Now the problem with this is the fact that they are not currently fighting against the West, but some Western weapons. Now the way that these people word it is, is not doing them any favors because when the day ever comes, and if it ever does come to the fact that they have to deal with us like personally, like face to face, they're going to be in for a world of hurt. Like we all know this, I've said this. I don't have to say it too much. Let's just be truthful about it. Конечно, сокрушительных масштабов того, на что готов Запад ради того, чтобы уничтожить нас, я таких, например, не предвидела. Я предполагала, конечно, я понимала, что это будет война, но я предполагала, что это будет такая 
ну, точечная операция, ну, наверное, чуть сложнее и болезненнее, чем это было, например, в Крыму, но ключевое в этой фразе слово «чуть». Я не думала, что это будет так легко, но, конечно, я не думала, что придется сражаться со всем западным миром, что это будет настоящая Третья мировая. Третья мировая идет уже. Мы же не начинали войну в Украине, в Донбассе. Мы ее заканчиваем. Просто заканчивать ее приходится вот так кроваво, потому что те, кто этим управляет, не хотят. Не то, чтобы она закончилась в нашу пользу, они, в принципе, не хотят, чтобы она заканчивалась. So what I'm gathering is over the last two days, this lady's actually been pushing the narrative and kind of changing it and going to a, a different route. She's been pushing that the end goals for Russia currently aren't really stated. They don't really know what it is. They kind of left them open-ended, which is kind of leaving uh, the door open for this thing to drag on forever if need be, which we all know no war lasts forever. Never has, never will. It all ends up in some diplomatic fashion. It's going to happen at some point. But... Now they're claiming that this is they're entering a World War III stage. Like the Russians are actually physically saying this. This is the beginning of World War III. Like I, I thought this was supposed to be a special military operation and not a war. Тысячи, миллионы женщин по всему миру теряют своих сыновей, дочерей на войне. Почему я должна быть лучше? Всешь, мама мне моя говорит. Я для себя решила, что если мои дочери Суждено погибнуть вот так. Значит, я буду утешаться тем, что я буду гордиться своей дочерью, что она погибла за свою родину. Мамочку мою. All right, so pretty much the rest of the segment, she talks about stuff like dying for the motherland is a very honorable thing, which is true to a certain extent, depending on what you're doing, okay? But this is just not another... I, it's just another narrative to make sure that it's known to not worry And they, they should be having to talk with their kids that World War III is coming. And great for saying this, Russia. I, I do appreciate it. You're making my life a lot easier because I, I don't want to seem like the crazy one and say, God, it seems like we're going down that path at times. Does it not? Does it not? Charles is a Nazi. We're heading down that path at times. He's over there every day, he says. Now what we got going on inside the northern portion of the country is quite interesting. Okay, now the Ukrainian officials are saying that they're observing the beginnings of a large-scale offensive along the eastern front. So all the way down this entire eastern portion, as you guys can see, this is Sifatov right here. All the way down here is what they're saying. They're starting to see some movement of the Russians attempting to push. Okay, they also thought that this was uh, uh, not the major one. That, that we've been speaking about, but this is one to be concerned with because it consists of multiple infantry units and armored divisions strung out all the way along this main line, all the way from Bakhmut all the way up to Sivitov, that whole, that whole line, okay? It's actually mainly to Kremlin and not all the way up to Sivitov is what they're thinking. But this is what I believe the Russians are attempting to do. This is my own thought. As you guys can see, I kind of like, laid out the areas where they're, they're having some heavier pushes. I'm going to use that with quotations because everyone's going to be different. But I believe this is what they're attempting to do. It's, it's pushed down through here, Bielovica. I told you guys this yesterday. I'm not the only one that thinks this. I do believe this is to be the case. Coming down through Kremlin as well, trying to cut off that whole gap and cut that off. This is what they want to do to take Seversk. It's pretty much to do this. This is what they want right here. It'll then enclose off this entire area where they can push through quite easily and take this ground back. Well, they haven't actually secured this ground yet, but I believe this is what they're trying to do. If I was a gambler man, which I am, I am a gambler man, so I believe that's what they're attempting to do at least. Now, down around Bakhmut, we're seeing some stuff. 
Um, I'm going to give them some props when it comes to the, the, the Ukrainians. They've came in and they've really stepped up. So we know, we talked about it yesterday, that the, the Russians have been able to push out through this entrenching system that's on the northern side of the city, and they've continued to push towards Zelensky, and they weren't, uh, they weren't able to actually get across the MO3 route and maintain the ground. They're on the outer edge of it. I think it was the, oh man, am I, am I, I think it was the 30th Armored Division. I think it was a 30th Armored Division or Armored Brigade. I can't recall, but it's one of those that's actually came in. That's on the Ukrainian side of things and came in and actually put up some fight here and has stopped the Russians inside of their, their tracks right here. I'm almost positive it's what it is. And it, it, it's pretty good. If you're on the Ukrainian side of things, this is really good. They've not lost any more ground inside of Bakhmut. On the northern side, the, the Wagner group have been throwing men into the fire, essentially. I'm not even kidding. They've not gained any ground. They've lost a significant amount of men. Yes, the Ukrainians are taking some casualties there as well. So I just want you guys to know that as well. It seems like a very good chunk of reinforcements has came in and stopped the Russians. They are hitting Avansky. So the southern side of Avansky is getting targeted with artillery. So the Ukrainians are getting hit on the southern side. And the Russians are trying to push through there. But on the southern side of the city, they've not been able to push through at all. Um, I told you guys I thought Krasnohor is not going to last very long. I still believe that if the, the reinforcements that just came in that just blocked this whole area right here, it's more like this. I'm just going to say that's where the defensive line is right now for the Ukrainians, the new reinforcements. If they aren't able to push back through, if they're able to push back through and regain control of this entrenching system, which is a possibility, that could be a possible thing, then the whole city of Bakhmut, once again, it's pretty much going to be in the same position it's in now. You guys want to look over at Avika. You guys remember Avika in the southern portion of the country? The, the Russians have been sitting in the same spot this entire war, legitimately, and it still looks like this. If you were to compare both cities, this is what they both look like. They're almost in a half-moon circle, and they have not moved a single inch. I know the Russians are throwing all their might here and not down there. That's what's going to be the difference. But just to give you guys a little bit of a heads up, that's, that's, that's what I think is going on. Uh, I think the Cyverse, that whole thing I showed you guys earlier, I think that's one of the main goals for the Russian. If I was going to give them a goal, I think that's what they're attempting to do. The Ukrainians have also seen some success in the southern portion of the country around Volodar. They actually stopped the Russians in their tracks literally when they were trying to take the city. The Russians lost a significant amount of men in the processes. I think it was about a 48-hour to three-day period. We're talking about almost 400-plus KIA or wounded. They also lost 31 vehicles that were damaged and or destroyed uh, or left to be abandoned. Basically, they hit a fairly, like a, like legitimately a fairly large minefield and got caught with their pants down in a very well-set-up type trap. Like, it was, it was very well set up by the Ukrainians on the southern portion of the country, and they did a phenomenal job, and they stopped them from taking that area. So we're starting to see all along the, the eastern edge of this country, I'm telling you guys right now, the eastern side of this country is starting to ramp up and start to move. We might start seeing some, some shifting pieces. Um, I know, and I've said this yesterday, the Russians are, I think the Russians have the Ukrainians a bit against the ropes right now. I think up until we get more Western aid into the country, we're not going to see any big pushes by the Ukrainians. I, I think they're being fairly calculated, and they're, they're really honed in on Bakhmut. If they can hold it, significant gain here. If not, no big deal. Readjust. And, and, and just read and do what you do. They've been doing a really good job. So, all right, I'll see you guys tomorrow with another episode. Thank you so much. I'll catch you guys on another one.